I'm going to bet that most of you have put out posts on social media, whether whatever platform it is, doesn't matter. And there's zero traction. No one responding, no one commenting, no one even giving you a thumbs up. That's happened to me many times. It's a very humbling feeling. It's like, okay, I'm doing the work to, you know, put some really good content out into the world and no one is responding. What's up? Well, I'll tell you what's up. Your message is not landing with your intended audience, your ideal client. It's not landing, okay? And in order for the message to land, and the reason why this is so important is because you're not going to have clients respond. You're not going to have teammates respond to you if you're not connecting with them on an emotional level. And in today's podcast, we're going to be talking about emotional-based sales techniques with my business coach and dear friend, Tiffany Carter. She is a top tier business coach with a, I think a top 25 business podcast like in the world. This woman is the real deal. She is going to teach you exactly what you need to be saying in your messages in order to elicit the responses that we all want to have. Because if we're going to spend the time doing this, we want it to mean something, right? Okay, so grab your notepad, a pen, paper, whatever it is that you do, and let's have a fabulous game-changing conversation with Tiffany Carter. Let's dive on it. Game changers have something most people don't. Highly effective communication skills that grow existing accounts, close new deals, and allows them to work seamlessly with their team. Welcome to the Game Changing Conversations podcast, where you'll learn what to say and how to say it to anyone. All right. I'm your host, Heather Lyle. With over 20 years of leadership experience in corporate communications, marketing, media relations, and public affairs for small nonprofit organizations to international brands, as well as working in politics. And oh my gosh, I've got a lot of great stories to share with you. This podcast will give you the tools you need to deeply understand your own communication style and how to have winning conversations with your colleagues, clients, and how to message and market your business in a way that feels so good to you too, all right? So if you're ready to dig in and learn great communication strategies that will completely change the trajectory of your business, and of course, we've got to have a few laughs along the way as well too, because that's just how I roll. Grab your favorite beverage, a notepad, and let's get going. All right, everybody. I am so flipping excited to have one of my favorite people. I just love you. I, I just love you, Tiffany Carter. She is on the podcast today. Um, Thank you so much for joining me. And we're going to have an amazing conversation. I just know it. But I just have to say thank you, thank you, thank you for joining me today. I mean, I was kind of getting my feelings hurt. Like, why has she not asked me to be on her show yet? Oh, well, we have some interesting thoughts on that that I'll have to share with everyone here in just a minute about why I haven't asked you. But first, before we dive into all that goodness, um, for those who don't know you, Tiffany, what do you do and how do you help your clients and community? And of course, I'm going to have your, your Instagram handle and website and all the fun stuff in the show notes, but just give us a high level view. What do you do and who do you help? How do you do it? So I've been an entrepreneur for 16 years. I have two different businesses. My first business that I started 16 years ago that I still have is an eight-figure business. And that focuses on doing digital marketing and branding in the medical space. So healthcare providers, hospitals, pharmaceutical, 
medical device, um, cosmeceutical, plastic surgeons, all that stuff. Okay. And now I have a top 30, not even top 1%, top 30 podcast in the entrepreneurship money category worldwide. And mm-hmm. I teach like the solopreneurs, the small business owners, how to start and grow and scale their business by monetizing their intellectual property. Because a lot of people like a lawyer, right? Like, okay, you can trade your time for money, trade your time for money. But wouldn't it be great to also be able to package your knowledge and sell courses online or ebooks online or do an online training and then have an influx of ten, twenty, fifty thousand dollars as well as another income generating stream? I mean, it's kind of like double dipping, but in a kosher way, in a legal way. Right, right. I love it. Well, it's so interesting. I found you through your podcast. Um, I think it's been a little over two and a half years ago, two years ago, maybe something like that. And I can't remember how I found your podcast, but nevertheless, found your podcast. I was driving to Colorado with the kids in the car. We were in the car for 13 hours. I don't oh my God. No, thank you. Yeah, no, thank you. <laughs> but nevertheless, I was in the car for 13 hours. I kid you not. I listened to Tiffany Carter for almost 13 hours in the car the entire way to Breckenridge, Colorado from Dallas, Texas, okay? And by the time I got to Breckenridge, um, you were talking about there was a group coaching program, the uh, uh, Selling with Soul. Yeah, that's my signature program. Yes. And um, I got to Breckenridge and I was like, sign me up. I've got to be a part of this or whatever. And as soon as I was done with your coaching program, I was like, I've got to work with this girl one-on-one. And it's like, then you had a retreat and I signed up for that as well too. I was just, I was all in. I was all in. And, you know, what we're going to be talking about today is not just the sales strategy and how to close the deal, which again, that is, that's a part of it, right? But I have to say, I waited an entire year. Back to your comment earlier about how it's taken me so long to ask you to even be on my podcast in the first place. You know, I think there is so much to, you know, this whole concept of imposter syndrome. And, you know, I've heard about it before. You know, it's been around for several years, it feels like. But truth be told, I was afraid of really putting myself out there and asking a in my notes, I'd say top 1%, you know, podcast, now you're top 30. Yeah, I was like, oh my gosh, what? Why would she want to be on my podcast when she's got all these Instagram followers, has this top rated podcast, is working with, you know, global brands and, you know, making multi millions of dollars and that kind of thing. Why me? And at the end of the day, it's like, I've got 20 plus years of leadership executive level experience. I know what the heck I'm talking about. I was chief of public affairs for an elected official. Like when it comes to messaging and communications, I am really, really good at it. But yet I was still like putting these blocks up as to, you know, the whole not enough. I wasn't good enough, smart enough, cool enough, didn't have the Instagram followers enough to have you on my podcast. And so, and you were the one who messaged me on Instagram. We're like, what? do this. Oh, did I? Oh, good. I'm glad I did that. You did. And I was like, because I know, you know, just from coaching over 150,000 people all over the world at this point, I get it. And we all have it. I don't, we can call it imposter syndrome. I personally call it a visibility cap. Some people have 
I shouldn't say some, most people have even like an income cap, right? Like it is subconscious, um, a subconscious glass ceiling. So stuck at a certain income, a certain income, a certain income. The same thing happens with visibility. And what's interesting is it doesn't matter how successful you are. I've had world-renowned surgeons say the same thing to me. I've had even people who are like B-list celebrities say stuff like this to me. It's really more about rejection. It is. It is. From someone that it would it would sting and it wouldn't feel good if we're rejected about. Like I could go ask some random stranger or, you know, all these people who like pitch to be on the show or whatever. That's that's easy. But like someone who I genuinely respect and admire. That's tough. For me, too, though, it just it doesn't look like it. It's just different. Right. Like. For example, I love Bethany Frankel. I've read all of her books. I just love this woman. And I want to have her on the show. There's no reason for her to not be on the show. But it's like the thought. And even though I'd go through like her publicist, right? Like I would be so let down and so bummed to get a no from her that it feels safer to just tell myself stories. Oh, I'll do it next week. I'll pitch her next week. I'll send it next week. I'll have. Nancy, send it. I'll have Jen send it next week. And I just keep kicking the can down the road, kicking the can down the road. But the reality is, is like, I don't want to be rejected by and hear a no from someone that's like, I would really, really want on the show and who I admire. Isn't it funny how we do that? It has nothing to do with knowing that I'm a great interviewer, knowing that it would be worth her time to be on the show, just like you said. Yeah. Right. Like, and you and I know each other on top of it. Isn't that crazy? I know. It's the lies that we tell ourselves that it's just like, oh, it's not going to work and the rejection of it. So what do you do to get past that? Because, you know, again, this conversation is going to be more about sales, of course, but but let's not kid ourselves. We're selling people on why we want them to be on our podcast as well, too. Right. And so everything's a sell and everything a sell like in a sleazy way. But like you're wanting to go on a certain trip and, you know, your husband, you know, that might not be his ideal trip. That's a sales job, you know, like. <laughs> right. Like yeah. it's a job. it was a sales job you know, getting a house or working with, you know, looking and working with a contractor for a remodel. Like we are all selling people and it starts with ourselves. Yeah. So if we keep staying safe in who we are going after, whether it's a potential client, whether it's a press opportunity, a podcast or pitching for your book in different publishing houses, right? I have a client who like, We'll go to these like indie off publishing houses. It feels safer, but right. not going and pitching, right? Like the big publishing houses. Yeah. And it's, it really actually keeps us in this, in this box, right? So why I came up with that term visibility cap is we have to work on stretching our ability to feel safe and secure. Yeah having higher visibility. Otherwise, guess what? Your podcast will will hover. It will only grow so far. Mine too. Yeah. And I've been doing a lot of work on it in the last year, which is why my podcast keeps, now it's really taken off. 
jumping off. I was the bottleneck straight up. And it had nothing to do with my talent. It had yeah. nothing to do with like hashtags or, you know, like SEO or any of that crap. It had no- zero to do with that. None, none of that changed. In fact, I didn't. Not, nothing I did change. Yeah. What it had to do with is me doing the work on feeling safe and secure with a greater deal of exposure. And that's where I start peeling it back to people. So there's a rejection when it comes to something specific, like pitching a certain client, a publisher, right. a guest, right? Um, there's there's that part. But there's also, when we peel it back, what comes with that? Increased audience exposure. Yeah. Um, there's a fear of, okay, if I get that visible, bad things can happen. Yeah. And do you have anything that comes up for you, even if we know it's a lie, like your higher self knows it's a lie. But like mine was, um, I am going to be so depleted energetically. I'm going to have energy vampires, you know, like to the point where it's I'm going to have people coming at me and and I'm not going to be able to manage the masses and it's going to be too much for me and I'm going to crash and burn. That's the story I kept telling myself. I keep telling myself that story. Why would I attract? (laughs) <laughs> higher visibility right yeah yeah you are so what was what's a lie that you told yourself <clears throat> about me as a guest oh i mean I, honestly like you're too big of a deal like why Why would she want to talk to me because like she's i'm i'm here and for those who you can't if you're her listening it's like i've got my my hand down low i'm i'm here and tiffany is way up here the threshold was just too much. And and I didn't feel like I didn't feel like I was as big of a deal yet that I that it that it wouldn't really be worth your time. And so interesting. And that's these are lies we tell ourselves because that that isn't the case. Do I think it's the case for some people? Like I we've pitched people for the show and they've said no when my show wasn't as big. And now guess who's circled back around and guess who's not on the show (laughs) right like and we have to look at our own behaviors do you go on people's shows that are newer or do you support people who are at a different stage than you are oh absolutely right and reminder we have to remind ourselves of that is like I do go on people's shows. I don't, I don't really, you know, I don't really care. Your higher self knows I don't care how many followers someone has. That doesn't dictate who comes on my show. Yeah. You know, it's a matter of like, are you a good, genuine guest? So something that I feel you guys would actually do that really helps. Um, I believe in God and the universe and angels and all the things. So when we let a higher power pick for us, it takes it out of our ego. So if you take, I mean, it could be a coffee cup, but like like a glass jar, a bowl, you write on little pieces of paper, whatever it is. Like it could be you um, pitching different, you know, condo complexes if you're a realtor. It could be going after, you know, larger accounts as an accountant. It could be, you know, you actually um, posting even like, a video on social media that you've been terrified to do. I want you to write each of those things on separate pieces of paper, whether they're people, 
opportunities or things, mix it up in the bowl. And every week you draw one and whatever the hell you draw, you have to do it. Because now the universe has picked it. God's picked it for you. And now you're a jerk if you don't do it. Right. And it's almost it's psychologically kind of makes you go, okay, like, well, that's kind of a sign. I I need to do it. So now I've got to do it. I got to do it. The other thing is, of course, if that's not going to cut it for you, because I can be really stubborn in my ways. This is why I always literally have multiple coaches on payroll. No joke. I'm not talking like I do like a one month thing. As long as, you know, obviously I get a lot of value out of it. I pay people to hold me accountable. Yeah. Because I'm not going to not follow through with a commitment to someone I respect and who I'm paying that much money. Otherwise, I'm wasting that money. And it's someone who's like paid to hold me accountable. Right. Where I would feel, again, like a jerk to not do it. And that money is so worth it because otherwise I will slip back into all sorts of stories. I, you know, our our brains are cunning, baffling and manipulative. It's easier that way. Yeah. It's easy to not do that. It's easier, but the cost is so high. It feels like there's this there's this guy who I love his show and I have a connection to the show. It's a huge show, like a mega show. Okay. Like it would be crazy visibility for me, like next level. I know my higher self knows and even my like strategy marketing side knows. I I know I, I know I'd get on the show. Okay. I have been avoiding sent and I have his email. I have like a legit strong in. Okay. I have been avoiding sending the email because that needs to come from me. Just FYI, fun fact for you guys. Like, don't start using VA. Like, should I have a publicist? Should I have this? Unless you're, honey, unless you are you JLo? Like, I mean, <laughs> like, it re- like, uh, uh, unless you're like a, like a politician, right? Like, you're a that way. It's like, JLo politicians, a different. Yeah. It means a lot to someone when it's a direct pitch, right? Yeah. Like, when all these like third party companies are pitching us to get on the show, I've never taken one of those people ever. Yeah. So like it meaning something, right? Like it coming from the heart, like emotional based sales techniques that I teach. Right. And I know how to write it. I'm a former TV newscaster, blah, 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 blah. Been months, Heather. And I wow. hadn't done it, you know? And it's like, what's it's so weird. And this is not a, like an intimidating fellow. This is like right. a lovely man. See, that's how I felt about you. It's like, like I have like other. Isn't that weird? It's about if it's about what we attach as a meaning yes. to it. If that person says no. And if he said, I'm using myself as an example, but if he said no to me, uh, that would really feel crappy. Sure. And then and then I would probably spiral a little bit and like, oh, maybe I'm not as as special or a big deal as maybe I thought I was and who am I and I'm trying to and now I don't want to listen to a show even though I love his show because now I feel now I feel funky about it yes yeah oh that's what I'm trying to avoid but the cost factor on the other side so that's the other thing for you guys to do or listening what's the cost factor of you not doing it and I don't just mean financially I mean 
emotionally, spiritually, energetically, mentally, physically. Do you know how much time I've spent talking about this stupid podcast for me to pitch? It's almost as bad as me talking about my book that's not finished, that was started in the pandemic. Like it's now it's gotten ridiculous. So the time and then I shame myself. I don't know if you did that with me where you're kind of like, what's wrong with you, Heather? Like, yeah. Yeah. And all that time and energy you spent doing that to yourself. Oh, absolutely. Where I'm going, I saw you, you know, obviously I follow you. I saw you at a show and I was like, it's kind of weird. She's not asked me to be on the show because I would like, I genuinely love you and I want to support you. And I I was, I I was a little hurt and I've had other clients. God, I hope you guys are listening (laughs) where I feel the same way. Interesting. I've, I've also asked certain people to be on the show who I know. And they, this is an interesting thing. And I know people in your audience will get this. I, the old Tiffany used to do this. And this is me outing myself. And this is like true humility here. Okay. When someone would ask me to be like, I don't know, interviewed on Fox or, you know, it was like a bigger opportunity, right? Sure. I would overly play it cool because I had like my self-worth was kind of low and I didn't want to seem too like eager. You know, I like overly did it. Yeah. And I've definitely sabotaged things Mm. that way because if someone does not sound and I don't mean eager, like thirsty, eager, but like genuinely eager to serve and excited Right. Be on your show, your TV program, be in a newspaper, whatever it is. It doesn't really land well or even getting a client meeting. Right. Yeah. Like or even when I interview, I'm interviewing a couple people right now to hire. If someone doesn't seem excited to be on a call with me or be in an interview with me and they're playing, they're playing it cool, like cavalier, like almost like right. aloof. Um, No. Yeah, I used to do it. Woo! And I and I don't think someone would have had to have pointed it out to me. I'm saying this in reflection. Sure. I genuinely thought I was doing like the right thing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's also interesting too. Um so I was talking my husband is an accountant and a managing partner of a big firm and I was telling him these blocks that I'm having with certain people about just, you know, I don't know. I, 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 they're too big. You know, they're too much. I don't, I, maybe I'm not enough, you know, kind of a thing. And his remark back and a typical account, right? He goes, so what's the opportunity cost by you not doing that? The opportunity cost. And so I would encourage people who are listening, what's the opportunity cost? What money are you leaving on the table? What access to other resources, people, networks, you name it? What are you leaving on the table by not doing that? By not reaching out to Tiffany Carter or to whomever the person might be, you know? And I mean, once he said that, I was like, whoa, that's that's why I love like having people in my life who have that kind of a brain he has because A, they have like, not such great of filters and it's so matter and they say it's so matter of fact that you can't not hear it absolutely boom it's like a mac truck 
And and quite honestly, that was a huge step. I was like, all right, let's do this. Let's do the thing because there's no other time like now. And guess what? If someone says no, it's really not about you. And I know your brain's convincing you that it would yeah. be about you. It's not about you. It it could be about um, they're the type of person where they'll only go on a show if it has X many downloads. Like, And there are right. a lot of people out there that are Absolutely. like that. Do you yeah. really want someone like that on your show? Not really. I don't. No. And when I look back on these people who said no to me when my show was starting and now all their people are contacting multiple times to get on, I don't. And, and not to say someone couldn't have changed, right? If they wrote me a personal message, that would go very far with me. But it's like, I like having people on my show who also like supporting people on different phases of growth. Absolutely. It's really not about us. It's not. I, and that's what I get. That's what attracted me to, to you in the first place. Um, you know, in, in fact, you know, I'll pivot the conversation just a little bit, but the reason why I came to you and probably why, you know, I just, I listened to every single podcast on that drive to Breckenridge. Your kids must be like, I guess I'm starting a business now. <laughs> Let me tell you, my oldest has become quite the entrepreneur and he's learned a lot about Instagram. That's all I have. <laughs> and emotional based sales techniques. We have really good conversations. All right. I mean, kids can learn a lot from podcasts these days, but nevertheless, but you were, ta- I remember you talking about emotional based sales techniques. I had never heard of the concept before. And in fact, the whole concept of sales just really, I'm a marketing person. I'm a communications person. The concept of sales just really turned me off. And of course, that didn't really go over well when I live with an accountant husband who's like, so how are you going to make money in this business of yours? Then, <laughs> You know, the truth be told. The way that you taught about emotional-based sales techniques, it completely shifted the trajectory of my business in a way. And I've told you this before many, many times, but it's like I was struggling trying to figure out what my message was and and how to deliver it authentically, genuinely to where it's and, and it felt good to me. And and you talk about that a lot in the podcast as well, too, and in all of your you know, programs that you offer. But I think that people struggle with, like, what does that mean? Because I work with a lot of accountants and lawyers, you know, people who went to school to do the thing that they're doing now. And when you start talking about emotional-based anything, they're like, babe, glaze over, I'm sure. And I'm like, oh, gosh, this is just a way of meaningfully connecting, you know, with your ideal client. But I would love for you to be able to share um, with my network here today, like, what does that mean and how does it show up in your messaging and in your business? Well, the reason you'd never heard of the emotional-based sales techniques before is because I invented them. <laughs> there's that. There's that. And I, here's where I think it's important for you why they end up working. So I did start my career as a TV newscaster, but then I decided I didn't want to be broke for the rest of my life. So I went into the world of pharmaceutical sales, and then I climbed that corporate ladder. But when I started in pharma sales, um, I I have a sweating response when I'm nervous. Like, not palms, thank God I don't have that. But I'm talking like facial sweat, under the blazer sweating, 
And what's that line? Never let them see you sweat. It was a disaster. And the reason I was sweating wasn't um, I was so well trained by the first pharma company I was with. And it wasn't because I didn't know how to present. I was on TV. It was the fear of annoying them. Oh, it's a salesperson. Get the hell out of our office. Oh, God. How, you know, what a pest. How insulting you're. You're telling me some stuff about a drug here. I'm a do- I'm a doctor like you didn't go to medical school. All the, the mental stuff that went on and I was not making my number. And those of you who run or in sales organizations know if you don't make your number for a certain period of time, you're out. You're right. gone. Yeah. And I was not on a pip. You know, I wasn't on a performance plan yet. But I was headed to pit line. <laughs> You're headed there. I was I was headed there. And fortunately, my boss. I think we all know that's a real dice roll, man, with a female yeah. boss. And thankfully, very experienced in pharma. And she was just blunt. And she said, like, you got maybe another another month here. Like, you've got to pull it together. Okay. I'm like, Ooh. you know, what does that mean? She's and she was willing to sit with me. They call them ride alongs, doing yeah, role plays, which I do with my clients now. But they were teaching one way to do it. And I don't, you know, I'm not like faulting them for that, but it's not one size fits all. Right. It asks you have to feel good about the way that you're presenting yourself and your offer, or you're just not gonna do it, right? It's like if my trainer told me to run sprints and do burpees, like, do I think that would work? Of course it would work, but it really won't work because I won't do it. So I was right. I was uncomfortable with the methodology of how they were teaching it. Yeah. And so then I had to develop a different way and come from a service based approach and not we need to get them to close it and get the scripts and close the deal and close the deal. I mean, that's what most, you know, corporations do, right? Yeah. You know, close the deal, ask this, do the check-ins. It was very like robotic. It was, it didn't feel genuine. I felt fake. Yeah. And if you feel fake, like that's not going to work. Right. So I didn't like come up with the name emotional-based sales techniques, but it was born that long ago. Wow. And then I started going in offices from a place of service and not going, what can I get? What can I get? And looking at it of what's in it for them. Right. All about not what is Tiffany going to make her number? I need to have so many conversations. I need to appease my boss. It's what's in it for them? What can I do that's going to help your practice grow and make things easier for you and your staff? Yeah. How can I help? And it be genuine, right? I didn't sweat anymore. And then they, and then what happened is, right? What happened? Other reps couldn't get in the office, but I was getting behind the door. Wow. Because I was coming from a different place. And now if you talk to some people who were like national sales trainers and stuff, they might go, well, God, you're leaving money on the table. You're not going for the clothes. You're not going for the clothes. Well, I was in it for the long game. Right. And so I didn't go in with the clothes. I went in service, service, service. And then and then I went in to where 
it was more of a conversational close versus a hard close. So immediately, did my numbers just spike? No, they didn't. They definitely were going up. It looked slower than other people. But guess what ended up happening? Mine kept going up, kept going up, where other people's flattened out. Sure. Because they were pushing and forcing and forcing a sale and get, you know, you know, like if someone does that, think about it like accountants and lawyers, you're trying to land an account, you're trying to land like a whale. Yeah. And you really, you really pushing on it. You might get that whale. Okay. But is that whale going to resign with you for the next right. year? Is that right. whale going to refer you? Yeah. To other people? Not if you were that, you know, pushy or aggressive with it. And yeah. so that's where these were born. And so when I work with people, we look at there is a lot of ways that you can sell. There's a lot of ways you can do digital marketing. There's a lot of ways you can do messaging that we know work. There's a lot of ways that don't work. But there's a whole gray area in the middle. And if we don't customize that based on your personality, based on um, the integrity of your brand, based on your values, based on things that make you feel good and strong versus terrified, it's you're going to leave a bunch of money on the table. Oh, absolutely. And I want to point out again, I mean, this isn't just for, you know, what I'm calling an air quote salespeople. I mean, again, if you're a lawyer, if you're an accountant, if you're a commercial mortgage broker, whatever the thing that you're in to do, what Tiffany's talking about is this, you know, this emotional, meaningful connection that you had with the doctors that you spoke with all the time. It's like they got to know you as you. They got to trust you. I mean, you talk about this a lot, but that no like and trust factor, how do you actually develop it? I mean, it's like you just, you've got to be you. You've got to lean into what makes you you. And, you know, the, and you say this a lot too, the right people will be attracted to it and the wrong people will be repelled by it. And that's okay. And that is okay. Because what I have found out, I mean, especially again, when I started working with you, especially with the two month program that I went with you on, um, they're really deep into it. It's like, it's okay to repel the wrong people because the right people will come in droves. And I, you know, that mountain that you thought that you were climbing that was so hard. It's like, okay, now my issue is how do I, how, how do I keep it all afloat? How do I manage it all? Because all of the right people are right here. And it took time, but oh my gosh, it's like, I'd much rather have this problem than then it's right. Where am I going to get my neck? Because then you go into scarcity. Where am I going to get my next person from? We've yeah. get the abundance of people there are because we take in noise, you know, all oh, the economy. Oh, this. Oh, no, that's not true. I built my first business during the real the real recession and made more than I had ever made in my life. Like I'm about to buy a company. So I'll have my third business. And I'm buying a company during this during this time. It's not true. There are people constantly buying. Go. You just got back from a very extravagant trip and someone could say, well, you know, obviously you're, you know, in the top one percent in the world. OK, I can look around here at the beach. I see people buying a seven dollar Starbucks, a thirteen dollar smoothie. They got oh, yeah. getting their lashes done. They're getting extensions. People are spending money everywhere. Absolutely. And you only need a micro slice of this pie to make a lot of money. And really, when you are yourself, 
and you really lean into that, you're like attracts like. So then you're going to attract, I'm sure you're, you've noticed this, you attract people who are like, where you're like, oh, I would like go and have a wine with this person. Like, I really like Yeah. I mean, I look at all of the clients and the people. It was so funny. We were uh, we were in Greece for a couple of weeks and people are direct messaging me on Instagram wanting to book me for speaking engagements for August and September. They're like, don't worry when you get back, you know, we'll just figure out all the details. But I just wanted to make sure we could get on your calendar now. And I'm like, OK, this is wow. Of course. Of course, let's do this, you know, and it's all the right people. It's all the people that I would want to go have a glass of wine, you know, but it's just, oh, you've got, you've got to put your real self out there, too. And I struggled with that. I did because, you know, you were newscaster Tiffany. You know, I was public affairs Heather. You totally were. And I was scripted. And I still have notes. Right. It's easy to be like that, especially those of us who've like gone through a lot of education or people have like professional designations. Yes. Right. Because I don't want to appear unpolished. Right. And I need to use like industry jargon and big words so people know like I I, I know what I'm talking about. Right. And I did the same thing, but it's not relatable. If you would not talk like this one on one over a coffee or over a cocktail with someone, if you're using words or saying things or even like your energy and your body language, if you wouldn't act like that over a cocktail in like a hotel lobby, then it's not approved to do it online. It's not approved, period. Because people are sensing that it's fake, right? Like, not that you're a bad person. Sure. But it's like you have we all know when we meet someone who has a wall up, you just created a barrier of the like, no trust factor. Yes. And it's like when I sense someone has a wall up, I might not go like, oh, this is a horrible person. I might just go, oh, you know, they have some kind of wall up. Something's kind of off about them. Maybe they're going through something. I have no idea, but they're not getting my business and they're not working for me. Yep. But it's vulnerable. It's the visibility cap. I love that. Like a vulnerability, like you have to stretch. It's a muscle you have to stretch. You know, it's like really. And it is really hard for people to do. I mean, it's so, I mean, again, especially I look at some of the professional services people. It's just like, whoa, I get people who went to school to do the thing that they're doing. This is a different way of doing things. But it's, it's. We talk about sustainability of business. This is the key to sustainability of business. And it's the key to actually having it be fun. I know. I know. For it to be fun because it's so exhausting being anything other than who we are. And it's so magnetic and attractive when you show up. I call it like BDE, big dollar energy. Like you're just showing up like not cocky, but just like I'm here for it. Yeah, right. This is I'm here for. Of course, I want your business. Like, hello, I own a business. Like, I'm yeah. not uh, right. This isn't like a, I'm not like doing and a nonprofit's a business anyway. Like, whatever it is, right? It's like you are. People know why you're there to get the deal to nurture a client relationship. They're not stupid. But if you come in with the persona of like, I am here to serve. I also genuinely appreciate or want your business. And if you're if you're not vibing me or you don't want our services, like there's plenty more. Yeah. You show up with that energy, you're going to get the deal. 
my attorney, my, my, I call my lead litigator, just so you know, you guys, some of you do know this. When you make a certain level of money and have a certain level of exposure, you, you will have, have, you'll have a legal team. Yes. <laughs> Which then that's a whole, that's a good, it's a good problem to have, but it is, the world's very weird. But my lead litigator, Chuck, I mean, he just has such a great name, Chuck. Chuck, he has that energy and he like David Letterman's one of his clients and he got David Letterman when he was like a baby litigator, right? He didn't have an in. He's not from some like fancy prestigious family. He didn't even go to a fancy like Harvard Law or something. Yeah. But you want Chuck. Chuck has the big DE, right? Like he's like, he's like, listen, this is what's going on. You want, I know you want me on your side. I, I, I'm not, you know, pretentious. I don't, I don't have some pedigree, but you want me in there fighting for you because I win. And that's what I do. Sign me up. Right. And it's like, either want me or you don't. Like, no, no, you know, I won't be mad at you. Like, whatever. Yeah. But like, don't waste my time. Mutual respect. Right. And that's how he gets it. Wow. Right. And it's like, we got it. But sometimes we have to kind of put on that costume, not being fake, but like almost like it's Halloween. Let's put on our, our BDE costume, even yes. like try it like for your next two, you know, client. Engage, I love that. Right. And just like dollar in each costume. And yeah. just, like, just try it, experiment with it and see how that feels, because it really does exist within you. It's just like our heads mess with us about stuff, especially if we're not like our cash flow is low. Right. Or the last three people, last three client meetings or engagements we had, the person kind of blew us off or is, you know, doing the like the tap dance or it didn't go well. Right. That it does mess with you. Like anyone who says it doesn't mess with them is likely a sociopath. I mean, of course it messes with you. It's your business. So we got to go, Okay, I'm going to like I'm going to put on this costume for today and remind yourself like. Whether the person says yes, no, maybe, shows up, ghosts you, is great, is not great, pays, doesn't pay. Like, you're it. You're the super sauce. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Which, you know, leads me to my last and final question. When it comes to sealing the deal, closing the deal, whatever you call it in your industry, what advice would you give business owners and executives? I'm I'm writing down the BDE effect. (laughs) big dollar energy that's a huge i love that and we can draw it from something else like look what you said earlier like your 20 years experience you know you you're pressed for you know top official so you can borrow it from an area of your life that you do really have like strong confidence in right like so i would borrow it from i know i'm an excellent like communicator Right. Like I know I'm someone who's high integrity. If I tell you I'm going to do something and not only do I do it, I do it with bells on in my personal life and professional life. So I borrow that energy from there and remind myself like, let's okay, let's all remind ourselves for a second. There are it's like hard to find a really good employee. Oh, like about that. Okay, like there's percent. Now, I would say like 90% are kind of duds and then you got 10% that do 90% of the work, really, yeah. right? Yeah. It's like, let's remind ourselves that the fact that if you're even listening to this show, 
you're in the tops of the tops of the top. <laughs> True. Yes. Really? Facts. Yep. Most people can't be bothered to even work anymore. That's a whole not that could be a whole nother show. That could be a 25 part series. Yeah. Right. And I know that's none of your listeners because they wouldn't be attracted to you. But we we gotta like remind ourselves of these things. We forget this half. Because we're in it, right? When you're standing in the picture frame, it's hard to see the entire picture. So true. So where do you draw the big the big confidence from? And that is the foundation. I love that. Big dollar energy. And even when you have to, I'm using air quotes, fake it. Where can you draw the con- in the areas of your life where you feel really, really confident? Draw in from that. Yeah. yeah. I love it. Well, let's end there. I think that was fantastic. Thank oh, good. Thank God. God. <laughs> As I'm wearing a robe while she's interviewing me. Thank you. Hey, but it's in your brand color. I mean, I'm in my orange like t-shirt and it's brand color, but whatever. We're on brand. Okay. People on brand. Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining me. If I I know that everybody who listened to this had some serious nuggets out of this conversation and I'll be dropping some of these in the show notes as well too. So Tiffany, tell us where can people find you online? I would say two things. One, Project Me with Tiffany Carter. Project Me is one word. That's the name of my podcast. You can Google it. It's on all the things. It's on the show notes. To come and like say hi and be like, you know what? That episode with you and Heather was great. Like, let us know that. Like, send me a DM on Instagram at Project Me with Tiffany. So you can just type that in. It comes right up. And I would say those are the two best places. It's me and my messages. It is not a bot. It is not a publicist. It's me. I'm not J-Lo. Okay? Like, I can't... I want to talk to you. Yeah. You're not going to pick my brain for free. That ain't happening. But I want to talk to you. I actually love what I do. I care. So does Heather. Heather, let's call her DMs. Absolutely. That does not delight you to do that. And you don't have to spend, like, five hours a day in there. But if it doesn't delight you to talk to your people and connect with your people... There's something else we have to look at. That's a disconnect. Yeah, 100%. Absolutely. So So come say hi. Yes, come say hi. Listen to our podcast. I'm telling you, you know, if you're making a 13-hour trek to Breckenridge, Colorado, like I was, that's a really great listen. You'll laugh, you'll cry, you'll learn a lot as well, too. So again, thank you so much, Tiffany, for taking the time with us today. Thank you. Hey, everyone. I am so glad that you joined me on today's podcast episode. If you enjoyed the podcast, you've got to share it with a friend, right? But I also want you to take a screenshot of this episode and share it on social media. So be sure to tag me on Instagram at Heather underscore Lyle. That's Heather underscore L-I-S as in Sam, L-E. Also, for more people to learn about the podcast, I would absolutely be so grateful and I'd love it if you could leave me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Ooh, that'd mean the world to me. I'd appreciate it. And this content takes time and money to produce, and I know that you're getting a lot of goodness out of it. So just leave that review, please. And in the meantime, have a fabulous day and continue to have those game-changing conversations. Until next week, we'll see you then.